All right. Thank you so much, Sasha, for coming on the call. My pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, we're we're in we're in some wild times <laughs> right now. Wildest, hopefully the wildest. I don't know. Pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, you, you've been sharing lots out on uh, social media for anyone that's following you, and we'll probably draw some of those things into our conversation today. But uh, yeah, maybe uh, just kind of start us off. I know we've got a couple of angles and directions we're going to go. Uh, but what do you feel is is the most important uh, for people right now? You know to be thinking about, to be aware of, just to kind of help navigate through, through these times? Oh, so many things. So many things. <laughs> well, I think one thing that we've really lost and it really becomes apparent is that we've given, we don't have any health independence, right? We don't have any health sovereignty. We're, we're not, we're, we're looking at all these measures, which may or may not be necessary. I mean, so there's some really good basics where, you know, yeah. washing your hands and, you know, just being practical. If you're sick, exposed, who you're going to expose yourself to, you're not going to go visit grandma who's got some COPD when you're, you're sick, those kinds of things. But we've really given away our health independence and our knowledge. And I think we have to understand that these bodies are amazing and strong and want to be healthy and do the healing for us when we get out of the way and get all the junk out of the way and provide what we need to be healthy. Like for me, when this all hit, I did not, I'm concerned about the virus, not at all. Everything that's on my counter and in my cupboard right now is the stuff I always have. Because for me, it's always about what, like I study what creates health and how what does it take to create a healthy human being so that we're resilient and we're robust and we are hopefully not going to be on the wrong side of the statistics because they are not looking good especially for us in north america they're really not good so what does it what do we do to create health and then when these situations arrive we are resilient we're healthy maybe it doesn't mean we won't get sick but with that will just serve as more education for our body as we get over it to whatever degree that it hits us. And then we move on and that's fine. And so this is how I'm raising my son. This is how we practice it in our family. And I'm sure you too, you've got your, your usual things that you ply yourself with day and day. I might be a little bit more diligent right now, mm -hmm. but it's nothing new. And yeah. so a lot of people, they're just a deer in the headlights like, Oh no. Okay. They say to do this, let's do this. And they, they don't really know what to do. And so that leads to also a lot of emotional angst as yeah, well. Sure. I think everyone is feeling that. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's always this kind of giving over our power, right? It's like the nanny state, you know, the government will take care of us. The government will tell us what to do. And you're absolutely mm. right. We've been doing that for so long with our health. And now that we're in this like crisis, because we've been doing that along, you know, we're, we're still giving away our power still. You know, to to the health authorities, which you know, I agree. Like, there's there's some basic common sense that's being implemented, um, and and that's fine. But you know, I, I know owning a business, and, and when you talk to kind of the health authorities, it's it's always above and beyond overboard. Like, you know, it's like we're good. Like, we're we're practicing, you know, what we should, you know, proper hygiene, so on and so forth. But when the whole country begins to follow, you know, and as I see it from a health inspection, just on a small like kind of micro level, you give them the power to kind of dictate how we should all rule our days. It's mm -hmm. like, wow. <laughs> and it comes to like my friend's uh, father-in-law was in a store in BC the other day and he witnessed somebody throw an avocado at somebody else's head because they weren't the requisite six feet away. And he comes out and her mom is wondering what the hell happened because 
<laughs> you know, there, there's people doing this. And another friend of theirs is a woman in her eighties was just trying to get around somebody in the grocery store. And they're like, stay back. Stay, you know, and they're, they're, people are losing their minds and their common sense and their common decency because we're so afraid of that. And is there really in that moment, is there a risk? I mean, we have to, we have to step back and see what is reasonable here. Yeah. Right. So we're just reasonable. And we have, we have strayed so far, like we've outsourced everything. We've outsourced our food production. We've outsourced our, our, the take the, our health and our health responsibility. We've outsourced the raising of our children. We're outsourcing everything. And now when it comes time to maybe thinking that some of these skills might be important, we don't know what to do. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, and, and speaking on kind of behaviors, my dad, uh, he's, he was listening to some uh, commentators from, from Britain and they were, you know, relating this back to the Spanish flu. And, you know, one of the comments was is that we don't really have a cultural record from that time, uh, very in-depth. And uh, part of it, what the reason was, is, is a lot of people, they didn't like how they behaved through that time. Mm. So <laughs> we're just like, let's just forget about that. And, you know, we moved on. Interesting, because that's the thing. You, you get all this fear out there and this anxiety out there. And then what is that doing to us, our ability to make proper choices, good, intelligent choices? What does that do to the, the, our capacity of our immune system right then and there? We yeah. know immediately our defenses are down. When we're coming from a place of fear and anxiety and panic, we are not in a sympathetic state. We're not nourishing that healing system. We're in a, we are in a, sorry, we are in a sympathetic state. The parasympathetic state is what, that's that healing state. That's intuitive state. That's that creative state. Whereas you're, we're in that sympathetic state. That's that fear state, that breakdown state, that catabolic state, that, uh, that survival state, right? And that's not the healing state. And that's not how we turn on our healing mechanisms and our prevention mechanisms. It's how we further get into sickness. Yeah, I think we're going to see that too with people and just makes them more susceptible to anything. This is applicable all the time, right? The things that we're talking about today are always applicable, not just now. Yeah, we know about the power of placebo uh, on on its ability to heal. I wonder how much, you know, because of all this hype and hysteria, how much more kind of effect and power the virus is having over people because we've all, we've just elevated it to this level of absolute fear of it. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. All hail the virus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a common thread, you know, as you know, in, in speaking to, to different experts throughout this series that, you know, really, you know, our own personal health foundation, number one, uh, you know, Dakota, he referenced, um, it was uh, Zach Bush, actually, who I know you're, you're super into, you know, there well, I'll are, be quoting him too. Yep. Uh, <laughs> there are more viruses, uh, on earth than there are stars in the sky, right? And they're just a part of human life. They're just a part of our ecosystem. We will continually, you know, be faced with viruses, come up against viruses. And okay, maybe this one might be stronger, more virulent than others, or maybe, it, you know, or, or not, who knows, right? But it, it's, it's a fact of life. And uh, what we're gonna get into here is, is creating that foundation of health uh, so that is our baseline. And then when we're faced with things, right, we kind of maybe step up, you're going to introduce maybe some protocols, some ideas that people can think about to kind of level up on top of that already existing right. base. So, right. yeah. So with that as our jumping off point, um, yeah, let's, let's get it. Let's get into it. You know, when you talk about these are the things that you do every day to create that foundation of health. Um, what does that look like for you? There's a lot, but a couple of things that I want to focus in on is microbiome support, 
on the outside and on the inside, creating a healthy, thriving, robust, diverse microbiome. And also using tonic herbs and really medicinal mushrooms are one of my two favorites. I mean, there's a lot of different things. Whole real food, removing glyphosate and GMOs out of the diet, mm -hmm. uh, getting in touch with the natural frequencies of the earth, turning off your Wi-Fi, sleep, sleep, sleep. There is a, what was it? In a four, just one night of four hours sleep. Now I can't remember it's a 50% or 70% reduction, but it's huge. In one night of sleep loss by four hours, you get a 50 to 70% reduce in natural killer cells. Well, natural killer cells are huge in your ability to fight off viruses, to fight off tumors, to all sorts of things. So it's huge. So focus on sleep, maintaining circadian rhythm. I'm a very big proponent of seasonal eating and really paying attention to the rhythms of the seasons and the rhythms of the days and nights and the light and dark cycles, the weather patterns, the cold and the warm, what's available in the environment. All of this affects us from the microbiome on to the diversity of the nutrients that we can get to supporting us in cold times, supporting us in the hot times. You know, nature's intelligent and nature provides, but modern life pretty much takes us away from all of that, what we used to do because we had to do right now, we kind of turned the scales on everything, but two of the big areas for me, because working with a tonic herb company and uh, just researching forever is the, the medicinal mushrooms, powerful and the microbiome and the yeah. microbiome. We know it affects all aspects of health from immunity to mental health and beyond. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And obviously, you know, it goes beyond just eating fermented foods, doesn't it? Absolutely. It does. Absolutely. Which is a big thing for me. I just had, so I did take this opportunity this week, this past week to learn a new skill. I did not want fresh baked bread in the home, but I have learned a new fermentation skill through the wonder of making sourdough bread. I mean, it's baked and cooked and not alive probiotic food anymore, but it's a much healthier form of food. And it's amazing and beautiful to watch it all grow through the action of bacteria. So fermented foods are huge and I'm a big fermenter and I love ferments. And of course the light cell is a huge education source for people learning how to ferment or just to come by beautiful, lovingly made ferments, but it goes hugely beyond that. It starts, basically it starts in the womb. It yeah. probably starts prior to the womb. It starts with the idea of potentially making a baby or prior to an accident of making a baby and with the health of the mother and her own ecology within her own body and what, what kind of microbes are in that vaginal canal and what, what you know, the, the kind of birth that you have, the environment that your birth is in, because you will be populated with the bacteria that are immediately in your environment. So is that going to be in a hospital room with the doctor or is that going to be on the, a bear in a hospital room on you know, a bare chest and, and immediately placed skin to skin with the mother, or is it going to be in a home birth and in the home environment? So all of these microbes are going to play a factor into the development of that human and the development of that human's uh, immune system. So it yeah. starts way back then. Were you breastfed? Were you not breastfed? Were you, uh, what, what kind of house were you in? Did you have air fresheners? Were you cleaning up all these antimicrobials, antivirals? We ever had a major war on, on all these little microscopic particles in our world these days, microscopic life. And that really alters what we are able to, what our skin is exposed to and what we're eating. Are we eating sterilized food, irradiated food, canned food, box food? Are we eating food pulled straight out of the garden with living microbes all over it? Right. So that, that affects the two breathing, going in and breathing different environments, 
So if you're going to the mountains, you're going to the river valley, you go into a forest, you go to the, the prairies, there's different microbes that are inherent in each of these ecosystems and exposing yourself to different ecosystems is huge just simply by breathing them in. Yeah. So there are so many ways. The glyphosate we know through Zach Bush, who's the, one of the biggest educators these days, is an antimicrobial. It's an antibacterial agent. It kills all life in the soil. It kills the plants. It kills the microbes. It kills everything. And it impedes our ability to make certain proteins in the body on top of that. But it is sterile. It is also attacking and causing gut leak within 15 to 20 minutes of exposing yourself to, gut, to, to the the glyphosate right and it's really wreaking havoc on our gut health yeah which and has been a huge problem so in the last 20 years i'd say oh totally and, and with that kind of that leaking of the gut you know then that induces an immune response huge yeah. exactly exactly we've got the whole alimentary canal one cell thick we've got huge inflammation going on by all the toxins that are going in there so that creates this this response on the other side of that with the immune response like whoa 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 what's going on we've got some then we've got Great influence. So now we've, we've gone from a world of acute diseases and acute stresses to chronic stress, chronic disease, chronic inflammation. And that chronic inflammation is causing a real burden on our health outcomes. It's huge. And that, so if we can just seal and heal that whole gut lining, let the immune system, it's about 70, 60 to 70%, I think, of the volume of the physical volume of our immune system, producing about 80% of the immune molecules, the antibodies and things like that, right underneath that one cell thick. So of course the quality of that gut is gonna have a huge impact on the quality of our immune system and our ability of that immune system to respond and to be ready. But the problem is it's, it's responding to all these other things because as soon as you're creating a leaky gut, all the other things that are already toxic and unsafe for us have that much easier access into us because we have lost the intelligence of that gut lining to decipher what is able to come and what is not because the cells have separated from the cells and they're no longer in community and they can no longer communicate. You've got these isolated cells that it's, it's interesting. It's like the microcosm is reflecting the macrocosm, right? They're, they're not working together anymore because they're no longer connected and we'll right. use the intelligence to absorb and utilize and protect that we should innately have within that, that gut. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And I wanted to jump back to that point you were, you know, kind of offhand, you know, mentioning like, oh, you know, it's, it's sourdough, it's cooked, it doesn't have live bacteria. And I just want to make the distinction for people that uh, you're going to consume ferments in, in two different ways, or, or you should. Uh, one of which is, is the live culture ferment that will have those living bacteria, probiotics uh, in it. So something like a live cultured sauerkraut, a yogurt, uh, those types of things, kombucha, et cetera. Great, fantastic. And then the other type of fermented food you'll consume, like sourdough, no bread is where actually it's been cooked and i just want to emphasize there's still so much benefit i know you know that um but if, as we break it down like even helping at you know the the gut wall level right if, if nutrients are actually broken down those proteins are into amino acids so on and so forth uh it is a much easier digest digestion for us um even though we might not be getting the bacteria there's still so much benefit uh, to consuming a pre-digested food, you know, having been fermented than, than unfermented. Absolutely. I know somebody who actually had a bigger reaction. She was gluten sensitive and she had a bigger reaction to a, a gluten-free product that was later found to be contaminated with higher levels than the normally allowed levels of gluten than she did to eating a piece of sourdough bread. 
Yeah. Right. So, and the thing is, it's not even, so it's pre-digested. It's more absorbable. It's, it's, it breaks down toxins that could be inherent in that food, grain, seed, anything like that. But then yeah. on top of that, there's the postbiotics, right? There's prebiotic fibers that are feeding. And that's why it's really important to eat seasonally because you get different fibers at different times of the year and you feed different species of microbes because we should have about 30,000 different kinds. There's no capsule that's going to carry, contain that or any food, but with the wholeness of these probiotic foods and these fermented foods, you're getting the prebiotics of different fibers feeding different levels of bacteria. You've got the live microbes that are adding to the live microbes. Some of them, most of them I think would be, they're transient and they're also feeding other microbes. But then you've got postbiotics that are all the beneficial byproducts that didn't in, in, exist in that food prior to fermentation. So these, these gut bugs are making beneficial fatty acids that are healing this, our cell walls, that our cell walls are using for energy in, in, in our guts. They're, they're making neurotransmitters in our guts. They're making beneficial nutrients. They're enhancing the, the, the density of the nutrients as well. They're making beneficial acids and peptides and all sorts of things. So there's so much more. So even if you have a sauerkraut, a nice live sauerkraut, you can still cook with that food and put that in a soup or a stew or make some sauerkraut stew or something like that. You're still going to get benefits because it's not just about the living bacteria. It's about of all the other things that they've also created prior to it. Because sauerkraut is no longer cabbage, right? No. It's cabbage was the beginning, but it's transformed into so much more. And through that through those transformations, we really feed ourselves. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I love that term, postbiotics. That's one of the few times mm -hmm. that I've, I've heard it. We got our probiotics, our prebiotics, and our postbiotics. Postbiotics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why it's so important. That's why I always encourage people, don't go get a capsule with isolated bacteria in a capsule that's been intercoated that you're hoping you're going to make it through this acid of your stomach and get into where it needs to go. That is not how we've evolved to accept our microbes. We have evolved to get our microbes through fresh foods because fresh foods are what, like there's nothing sterile. We're breathing it in right now, right? We're breathing in viruses of all kinds. We're breathing in bacteria, also fungus, everything. And it's all of our foods are fresh foods. So we're getting it that way, which changes with the seasons. And then we're getting it with our, our, our whole fermented foods, but we, we never took capsules of probiotics before. I mean, these fermented foods, these pickles and kimchi and sour, they're teeming with, with life, but there's so much more than that. They're so whole. It's like looking at that isolated sorbic acid, or if you're getting it from camu camu or acerola or amla, you're getting all the beneficial nutrients that come along with that as well, too, to give you a full spectrum to support and and efficacy and it's, it's interesting like for example for me one thing that changed for me when i started making sauerkraut and eating it regularly is i used to get a lot of urinary tract infections mm. before that not a one anymore this has been i started making it i started making it when daniel vitalis was in town many 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 years ago probably oh, yeah. at least 10 almost 10 years ago maybe yeah at least yeah, and, yeah. yes and I made my first jar of sauerkraut, I had a little cabbage. I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. This is so easy. Why wouldn't I do this again? And it just went from one jar to two jars to Crocs in my living room to, you know, and it's just been amazing for me. And it's been very therapeutic. Yeah, cool. Well, they do say uh, sauerkraut's the gateway ferment, so. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Everybody's heard about it. Not everybody likes it, but 
most people, I do these parties where I teach people to make sauerkraut and bone broth and things. And when I put it on the side of a soup or a stew or something, people are like, oh, this is actually really good. I'm like, I know, I know. Don't go get that jarred stuff that's on the counter that's been pasteurized because that is not sauerkraut, no. right? That is, I don't know what that is, but that's not what we're talking about, obviously. We're talking <laughs> about the live food that's in the fridge that is full of life. So, yeah. Totally. So what about what else about the microbiome is important for people to kind of understand or that you've uncovered in some of your research lately? Well, the things with microbiome, but also it's making antiviral compounds, antibacterial right. compounds, antifungal compounds. So in that way, directly, it's working to, it's one of our first lines of protection, right? It's all in our mucosa and everything is teeming with all this stuff. And if it gets into our, into our digestive tract, it can protect us against food poisoning, E. coli, things like that. So it's actively doing that, but they're, they're also working with different vitamins. For example, lactic acid and vitamin A have a, have a, a relationship where they, where they help to support with their antiviral activity of vitamin A, but that's not just vitamin A, that's, that's mediated with lactobacillus. They are the microbes in our gut produce something called RNA, micro, we have all this micro RNA in us as well too. We have a lot of junk DNA, which scientists have referred to as junk DNA because most of our DNA doesn't seem to do anything. It's not coding for proteins, but there's micro RNA and there's way more genetic information in our body from microbes than there are from human genes. And that micro RNA has a huge role in controlling our epigenetics. So our epigenetics are the control above the genes. Dr. Bruce, Bruce Lipton, biology of belief, amazing work, great guy, um, is what is influencing how our genes are express, expressing. Dr. Zach Bush says every gene can code for about 200 different proteins. So what makes one you know, code for something that's going to lead to cancer and one that's going to code for something that's going to support good long health, longevity? Well, the microbiome has a huge part in that because the microRNA are affecting the expression of our actual genes. They change how we actually express. I thought that was pretty, pretty fascinating. And yeah. having, this is why communities are so important as well too, and being in touch with people, which we're not doing as much right now, because it comes out through our breath, it comes out through our perspiration. We are swapping genetic material all the time through our microRNA. These are tiny, tiny, tiny things that don't just leave the cell, they leave our bodies. Right. And so we're swapping information and this is giving us information about the world around us and it changes how we express from within. Yeah. So there's there's this, that whole um, saying in the kind of personal development world that you're, 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 you know, you're the sum or the kind of equal of the, you know, I don't know if the number, what the number is like three, five or, or seven people that you spend the most time around. And, and this is saying that too, like your, yes. your level of health because of that intimate connection and sharing exactly. of the bacteria. Right. So that's the thing is you're, it's going to affect you on a physical level, on your emotional level and your thought patterns, what you focus on, maybe on your success, who you, who you're with. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's, I find that truth is true on all levels. Yeah. Totally. Right? Like, and you can see it represented on all levels from the microscopic world to the macroscopic world. Yeah. Yeah. And you even just illustrated that too, when you kind of brought us back to, you know, the womb and, you know, baby's entry into the world, who's around, you know, what is the environment that, that's, that's creating the being. Absolutely. Yeah. So yes. there's, there's, a, there's a big shift. There's a lesson here to be learned for our culture, society. You know, like if we're so fearful of this virus and if it is so dangerous for us, like there's something fundamentally wrong about the environment we've created externally and internally that there's, there's that conflict happening. Right. And I think history shows when you start looking like 
these viruses arise for a reason, right? Whether there's been a major, major assault on the environment, whether it's poor conditions, you know, people like animal husbandry are, are practices these days are terrible, right? We've got, it's yeah. so inhumane. We have all these animals in, in very close quarters. We're not feeding them a healthy diet where that's just ripe with all sorts of disease in there. They're all medicated. They're not obviously going to be happy animals as well too. They're very stressed out animals. This is just begging for just uh, some kind of crazy thing to escape. You know, we have people that are living in horrendous conditions. You, you, you have, you know, the electrifying of the world in all these different levels. We are electrical beings. We, our brain resonates with the resonance of the, the frequency of the earth. But what are we doing? We're, 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 we're disconnecting ourselves from that because we're putting all these towers everywhere and we've got, everybody's got a phone in their pocket, a phone to their ear. They're, they're really interrupting the airwaves, which is also interrupting the microbes as well too, where we're, the, the microbiome is pretty much everything in modern life is having a negative effect on our microbiome, I would say, from the food to our sleep quality, because the microbiome also has a circadian rhythm. There's different microbes that are more prevalent during the day when you're eating food and digesting food. And there's other microbes that are prevalent in the night when they're expecting certain fibers to be in the gut so they can feed off of those things. And that changes. But when we're out partying at night and eating and drinking our faces off, or we're just busy and we've turned our clocks around, we don't pay attention to the late and dark cycles. It's really messing with our microbiome, which then on a fundamental is affecting the rest of our health in so many different ways. So the microbiome is such a, it's a cat. It's, it's such a common term these days, but we can't, we have to address it in all walk. Like as soon as we go back to basics, we're going to restore a lot of that microbiome yeah and mental and physical health and that's what i love I, I love that kind of potential because as you say like the microbiome is this kind of new frontier of research and it, it is so amazing and it's so vast and we only we know that we only know so much about it yet at the same time like what it really comes down to in terms of actions and restoring it and rebuilding it is is the most simple right it's, it's what you yes. teach, it's what you talk about eat fermented foods eat seasonally eat locally all these kinds of things the solution is simple breathe 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 rest plant a garden touch the dirt right don't sterilize any everything right because and also and also we have a microbiome on our body what are we doing right now we're hand yes. sanitizing we are going crazy with the hand sanitizer. These are people buying up bottles and bottles of hand sanitizer and they're destroying their natural protective layer right on their own skin. And then they're going to dry it out and to cause cracking, which is a great little place for some kind of opportunistic microbe to come in and start proliferating, right? Rather than, you know, soap and water, you know, natural oils and things like that to moisturize with. That's all we need, but we're going crazy. And then the antivirals, if people are expecting antivirals, we have beautiful antivirals that are natural in nature, including the microbes that are in our gut, but also the plants and things like that, that are not going to be so harmful on the microbiome because they're not just an antiviral. They have yeah. many modes of action, many, many modes of action. So yeah, there's, there's a gentleness and an intelligence uh, with nature. And, and like you said, it, it's a broad effect versus just, you know, one kind of pinpointed uh, action when, when yes. we turn to natural yeah. medicines. Yes, yes. And that's the thing you were saying, like it is, it's about going back to basics, it's about stepping back. People think, get caught up and oh my God, this is so confusing. You don't need to know about it all. And Sachin Patel, 
um, a doctor out there, he has a really, I, I like to, he said this quote the other day that I really love. If you can't measure everything, you can't measure anything. Right. And I really love that because we're getting all this interesting data about the microbiome and all the people think they're going to map their microbiome and that's going to tell them how to eat and what to do. But we don't know enough. We don't, we have very linear thinking living in a quantum world. We don't understand what that means. We just have to step back and simplify. So when people get overwhelmed with all this information, just step back and say, what would your great, great grandmother had to have done? Because that's what the environment required. She would have to store food. She would have to ferment food. She'd have to eat seasonally. She'd have to, you know, go to bed when it's dark, wake up when it's light, go by, turn off, you know, go by candlelight in the evening, you know, get a lot of natural light during the day and stay inside or, you know, when you're exposed to dark, we should be, we're, we're staying inside when it's bright sun outside these days. And then we go inside and flip the lights on when we should be in the dark. We've got everything backwards. So it's, it sounds like very confusing, but it's really about simplifying and going back to basics. Yeah, and potentially with how the economy is turning, uh, a lot of people may have to do that, you know? They have to. And it'll be interesting because how many people are equipped to do that, right? Yeah. That's, that's, I think, a lot of the anxieties. People, people don't know. People don't know how to take care of themselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They've lost that, that independent thinking and they think that they're going to be taken care of not everybody there's a lot of people doing a lot of great things out there oh, a yeah. lot of people but a lot of people like i just know some people in my community is like oh i have this oh i got my antibiotics i'll be fine like, oof. well they they may they could have their place but oof, that's not the first time i've heard you in a few years that i've known you saying that you're on antibiotics you know there's a lot of other things that you can do out there that are very effective and very safe and yeah. so there is a time for these anti things and then there's the time for the pro things like the feed life but the thing is it's so interesting is certain things like the probiotics like the fermented foods have both right right, right? they've they've got the antiviral and antibacterial type things but they're also pro-life and feeding that broad diversity yeah huge thing yeah i remember blaine andrusic saying that uh because he's, he's you know as a phytotherapy he's very into essential oils and uh he says cinnamon is one of the strongest like antimicrobials without being harmful to your probiotics to your right internal. right and there's intelligence right there's intelligence in nature yeah. it, it, it's it knows and to think that well it's i find it it's interesting to study it but to think that we're ever going to figure it out i just don't think we're that smart no no for sure yeah. So yeah, my approach has always been to, you know, develop that, that intellectual side, you know, go with the science, keep going down that rabbit hole because it's absolutely necessary, but also keep in check, keep in balance that, that intuitive side that's more nature-based, more uh, healing mm -hmm. path and, and, and trying to marry those two together. Right. It's, it's not either or, it's not uh, just, you know, hippy dippy, oh, just if we just peace and love, nature will be all fine. And it's, it's not hardcore technical science. It's, it's a bridging of those two together. And I think what we're finding is we can learn from those ancient medicines of Ayurveda and Chinese medicine because science is now proving out what they've simply known. I don't know if they had, they, they obviously had a closer connection to, to nature, but they just intuitively knew things and it's been proven safe and effective over millennia and it's amazing and now we're finally for us people that need that proof we, they're proving out many things from breathing techniques to food to seasonal eating to microbiomes to all sorts of different things to the, you know the preservation of food through not microbiomes but through the preservation through fermentation 
all of this stuff, it's, it's all, it was all purposeful yeah. and effective. And now we're seeing that. Yeah. Cool. We will use this as a jumping off point to get into the, uh, the wonderful world of medicinal mushrooms. Yeah. My favorite for me, a daily non-negotiable for a very, very long time. And it's one of the first things I think of when I think of immune system, when I think of a virus going around, cold or flu, whatever, the coronavirus, it's one of the first things I think of. They, it's like the medicinal mushrooms do, like they predate everything basically, right? And it's like they knew what we would need at this point in time. It's like they knew where we were headed, the radiation, the rise in cancer, the, the, immuno, the, the autoimmune conditions, you know, the weakened immune systems, the lack of nutrition. They provide it all. They're yeah. extremely nutritive and they're extremely protective. They protect their hepatoprotective and kidney protective and brain protective. And they have things in there to modulate uh, all sorts of things from your, like they're an adaptogen for stress. They help with uh, either blood thinning or blood, blood coagulating. They help with modulating blood sugar. It's amazing what these, what these things do. And they modulate the immune system. So when we have this, the high rates of autoimmunity, the medicinal mushrooms are such a safe way to support that immune system because you still want to support it. But mm -hmm. this is the way you do it through an intelligent means where it's going to dampen what's, what's too active and it's going to bring up what's too suppressed. So the medicinal mushrooms are intelligent in that way because through action working with the pyrus patches in the gut, this lymphoid tissue, they are, they are modulating that immune response rather than a unidirectional boost, with, so which would cause a lot of problems for a lot of people with a lot of autoimmunity, which is, I, I don't even know what the rate of autoimmunity is these days, but it's very, very high, very, very high, so. Yeah, and you know, you just illustrated why mushrooms are so so perfect uh, for such a broad range of people because they're 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 non-specific. They're very you know broad in their benefits and actions. And when we're talking about uh, pandemic or not, right? Like the, we got to build the foundation of our health across the board in general. And like you say, mushrooms on on so many levels, they they provide that. They're such a great go-to. Uh, for everyone. Do you have a preference or are you recommending particular ones? Or are you a big believer in blends? I both. I change. So from a seasonal perspective, I change what I do all the time. Right now, I am, I am, there are some, some of the more common ones that I'm recommending now. So I recommend people go with always with a blend and then adding in one or two singles on top because mushrooms work better together. You enhance your efficacy through that combination. So I love the blends. And if you just want to go with a blend, that's great. But for example, a Garicon mushroom is a mushroom that has antiviral compounds that prior to studying those mushrooms were previously unknown to science. Mm -hmm. They are very, they are, there's literature on them in terms of efficacy with H1N1, H5N1, pox virus. They are amazing. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, this is a novel virus right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if they are shown to be effective in that regard as well with what's going on right now, COVID-19. So the Agaricon is amazing. Paul Stamets says it's a matter of national defense to preserve the old growth forest in case of viral warfare, viral attack, or things like that, because they do grow in the old growth forest, the Agaricon mushrooms, and they're very rare. So that is one that I really love to recommend right now. I really like the blends of like one that I like through, can I say the brand? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. New Earth Organics, the company that I work with, is the Liver Life Mushroom Blend. I like it right now because from a Chinese medicine perspective, we're in liver season. But also, when you look at the main, when you look at the constituents, reishi, turkey tail, shiitake, and there's mesema and poria, two lesser known ones. But those mushrooms are some of the more quoted mushrooms in terms of antiviral activity, immune response. So all the mushrooms, they have a lot of overlapping qualities in terms of antimicrobial properties, immunoregulating properties and others. And then they have the areas where they're shine, they shine. So that blend is a really nice blend, I find, to provide you broad spectrum immune support. Because the thing with mushrooms is that they're, they're a very rich source of beta-glucans, polysaccharides, right? And in the North American diet, these polysaccharides are very, they're missing. They're, there's not a strong, it's not a big food group. It's not a, it's not rich in the diet that we normally eat in North America. And medicinal mushrooms are ripe with polysaccharides. And when it comes to activating, so we have all these deactivated immune cells that are, are traveling around in our systems at all times, and, but they need to be activated. They need to be ready to be activated when there's an immune challenge. So there's, there's a two-part molecule, I guess this two-part piece that goes with the polysaccharides and this protein head that activate these cells on the receptors of the cells to activate them so they can work. They, they, can, they can be activated to deal with the challenge at hand. So whether it be a virus or an, another invader of some kind, whatever it might be. But those poly polysaccharides are not made in the body. The protein is, but the polysaccharides are not. And these are activating molecules for immune cells. So if we take those in every single day and we have that chemistry traveling around us at all times, then when that immune system needs to respond, it is able to do so. So that's a really cool thing. And different polysaccharide molecules are available through different mushrooms. So when you have a variety of mushrooms, you're going to be able to activate different immune cells in the body. Right. So that's why the, one of the reasons why the blends get, they also synergize, right? So one plus one is three when you mix mushrooms rather than just having this, this single effects of each individual mushroom. So I love those. So turkey tail has been shown to increase. So for example, in the case of chemotherapy, where it really decimates the natural killer cells, that's one of the dangers of chemotherapy and why some people can't finish their course of chemotherapy. One study shows that within two weeks at high levels of, of turkey tail that you can reestablish your natural killer cells to pre-chemo levels and then double that number yet again. Nothing out there through big pharma is providing that kind of result for supporting your immune system and reestablishing those natural killer cells. So turkey tail is an amazing mushroom to really keep that immune system strong. And it's one that I usually start at the end of August taking myself and giving to my son. So as we're going into the cold and flu season of the fall, that we're ready and we're prepared. It also has an affinity for lung, has been shown to improve lung health. Reishi also has different antiviral compounds, but also has an affinity for the lungs. So a lot of people with asthma and other lung issues really benefit from reishi. One of the mushrooms that is not in that blend that I really like is cordyceps. Right. Cordyceps mushroom is that caterpillar mushroom, but is also grown on rice and 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 uh, cultivated rather than, it's very rare to find get wild cordyceps. It's about, I think the price is about $250,000 per kilo of yeah, wild cordyceps. Yeah, for sure. They are, yeah, very, very, very pricey, but we can get them for a really good price, cultivated ones and very effective ones from the light seller and your local health food store, right? Mm -hmm. And cordyceps has a, another antiviral compound that gets in there and helps to interrupt viral replication, as do other mushrooms. 
it, it also has a great affinity for opening up the lungs and allowing increasing VO2 max. So people that are having breathing issues, it's such a great way to open that up, whether you're asthmatic, where you've got some flu symptoms, anything like that, it really helps and targets the lungs. But it also helps to elevate cellular ATP, intracellular ATP. So it really helps with your energy so that you have more energy to fight things off and to support your immune system and to just get through your day. So cordyceps is a really great mushroom as well on a whole bunch of different ways. It supports your adrenals, your, your, you know, when you're stressed out and you just need that, you need that energy and that push, the cordyceps will really, really help you with that. But another, so other mechanisms, other things that the mushrooms, if I could just step back a bit for a sec, yeah, yeah. how they're also going to help us and why they're so important at this time when we're talking about viruses is that first of all, they're, they're increasing the antiviral capacity of our mucosa. So this is how the virus is getting in us in the first place, right? Through our mucosa, through our nose and mouth and breathing it in, that kind of thing. So they increase that. So then if you're, it gets in the the uh, different fibers, depending on the form of the mushrooms that you be, could be eating, like for example, New Earth Organics doesn't have any of the fibers removed, they're not extracted. So they have all these different unique fibers that are fe feeding diversity in your microbiome. And then what the, the medicinal mushrooms do as well too, is that they prevent binding. So the virus will come in, once it gets in, it's going to try to get into a cell and attaches to a cell and a receptor. So the medicinal mushrooms actually in increase interferon, which decreases viral binding. So they interrupt the, the ability for the virus to bind to the cell by the increasing of interferon. Now, if the virus gets into the cell, because the only way the, the, the viruses can replicate is through our own RNA or DNA, right? They go in and they use our own genetic material to replicate themselves and then they kill that cell and then they move on and they move on that way. So what also happens is that medicinal mushrooms have chemistry that can insert and interrupt that viral binding. And viruses and, and bacteria don't have DNA and RNA repair mechanisms. So once you interrupt that, it's done. Our human DNA can go in and repair itself, but the virus can't. So they're increasing the interferon, they're interrupting viral binding, and they're interrupting the viral replication process. And that's just from that. They do all sorts of other things to support good health in all sorts of different ways. But that's a key aspect in what we're talking about today in terms of that viral threat. So when we have those in our body at all times and that chemistry circulating throughout our systems, we're much better equipped to deal with these things where the body is repaired, it's got prepared, it's got the chemistry that it needs to it so it can respond. And it doesn't mean that we're not ever going to get sick, but we'll probably deal with it a lot better. The frequency will be a lot less. The severity will be a lot less and the length of it, the time of the sickness will be a lot less too. So we're just much better equipped to deal with the viral infection. Yeah. Okay, I'm just as you're talking about this, like I'm having this vision, like, can you imagine, you know, like if, if as a society, like we move that direction, like there's insurmountable costs to us as a culture and a society. And if, if we recognize exactly what you're saying, this, this value, this power of these medicinal mushrooms, if culturally, collectively, we invested in that, we started growing mushrooms. And as a result, you know, like, as you know, and you mentioned it too, this potential of micro remediation and how they can help clean up the environment. Yeah 
we began to protect the old growth forests or even the second and the third growth forest, like 84 mm, yeah. that, that supports the life of these, uh, these vital medicines uh, for mushrooms and plants and otherwise, like w what a world, what a way to turn things around. Absolutely. And all, yeah, industrial pollution and oil spills and things like that. There's nothing that cleans it up if, with like oyster mushrooms, right? They, they're amazing for cleaning up all this stuff and the world wouldn't exist or some say it wouldn't even exist, but certainly wouldn't exist as it is without the medicinal mushrooms because that life that's teeming underground in our forests and everywhere else is, you know, it's shuttling information, shuttling water from wetter areas to drier areas and nutrients and putting out all sorts of, um, and they're protecting ourselves. And one thing I want to say as well too is why some of the reason why they're so protective for us is because we share a ton of genetic information. Some say 50%, some say up to 68% of genetic information we share. Medicinal mushrooms are not a plant. They're much closer to an animal than they are to a plant. Yeah. And because we're so similar genetically, they're very effective for us yeah. as humans for nourishment and protection and to just support a healthy, thriving functioning human being yeah they, they've evolved they've been on earth longer than humans they've evolved through all that time and i like mm -hmm. i like to get the perspective that they they have to protect themselves from lower yes, forms of do. fungi and bacteria and viruses everything at the same time and they do that developing this own chemistry and its own adaptive uh mechanisms that then get passed on to us when we ingest them absolutely Exactly. Yeah. They are amazing. And the more we learn, the more mind blowing it is. And the more we realize we really don't know, but they are powerful. And it's funny, we're, we're starting, we're starting to catch on. I mean, they, they've got millennia of use right in the East. We're finally catching on to them, but we still have that. Like some people are like mushrooms and they don't even want to try it. It's like, I, I try to get people to try it. They, they don't taste like mushrooms. There's so many different ways you can enjoy them too. In elixirs or in soups and stews or broths or just culinary mushrooms. A lot of the, some of the, the, the medicinal mushrooms are, are, we can buy them in a culinary form, like the shiitake mushrooms, the lion's mane mushrooms, like all sorts of different mushrooms are, you can eat them if you don't want to eat them. You can get them in powdered form and you can add them easily into your chocolates and your, your desserts and your apple crisp and whatever on your pancakes. We met, Tim made French toast the other day and it was delicious. We had this sourdough French toast and I put a whole bunch of liver life on there with some ghee and a little bit of organic maple syrup and it was, oh, tasted better with the mushroom powder on than without. And they didn't taste like mushrooms. Yeah, like, they, they have that, uh, that fifth flavor, the umami, right? Yeah, right. Uma, umami, exactly, yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Cool. So we, we've covered off a really nice deep dive into the mushrooms. We talked, started off talking about the microbiome. Uh, anything else that you're doing in yourself in particular, you know, precautions with your immune system or on that kind of daily level to, to maintain uh, it functioning optimally to, to meet anything it might come in contact with these days? Well, yes, I am not over. First of all, I am not stressed out about yeah. what's concerning me more is our lack of asking more questions about the what's happening out there and how this is being perceived in the media and how what's what we are being forced to do. That's concerning me more. So I'm not worried about it. I've, I have a lot. I just want people to know, have faith in your body. The yeah. body can heal itself. It can protect itself. It knows what to do if we give it what it needs and take all that crap out of the way. Um, I've got, you know, my extra, like the basics, the vitamin C, the vitamin D, the zinc, uh, other things in there like black seed oil. I love, you know, I like making some golden milks up every once in a while, getting some turmeric in there, natural anti-inflammatory diet, real whole foods diet, but that's always what I do. Lots of broth, lots of tea, lots of elixirs. 
I really make sure that I strive to get eight hours of sleep a night. I'm not always there, but I'm pretty close. But sleep is a really huge one that I've really, I've studied a lot more lately. And so I've put a lot more emphasis on good quality sleep and sleep hygiene and paying attention to uh, circadian rhythm and the light getting outside during the day, exposing my body to the light, dimming the lights at night, putting on salt lamps, making sure that my body knows when it's light, when it knows that it's day. Um, finding the joy in life, right? And trying to not stress and doing things I love and educating. This is what I love. So I love getting out there and doing that as well too. Because anything that's going to support you, nourish you, is going to put you in that sympathetic, parasympathetic state. So you're going to be more able to stay strong and robust and healthy. Elderberry syrup is another thing that I make batches of every year all the time. So I made just, I just made a big batch of elderberry syrup. I'm continuing with my ferments. I've got my kefir and my kombucha and my pickles and my sauerkraut, and my creme fraiche that's fermenting on the, the counter right now. So my garden, I'm starting to think about planting my garden as well too. So these are all things that I do anyways, but now I feel that we need to reiterate that these things are important that we need. Yeah. Not that I'm perfect by any means. Let's just say I've got a lot of, you know, I'm certainly not getting out in nature as much as I would like these days. And that's one thing where I really need to, to make more of an effort to do. I used to get out there every weekend, and but at least I'm trying to get out, you know, in less busy areas in the city. Um, and, move, and moving, but just moving in general as well too, right? The body likes us to move. Not excessive exercise and not being sedentary. I think a lot of people are glued in front of their computers right now and being on social media and watching the news, but it's really important to get out there. And I am seeing a lot more people out there, I think as well, but moving, whether you're moving inside, we've got a chin up bar. So we're always doing chin ups around here and push ups around here. We're going for our walks, getting on our bikes, things like that. That's another really important thing. So it's a whole picture project to be sure. There's not one thing that's going to be the cure all. Yeah. It's that whole lifestyle. Yeah, no, totally. Well, I definitely appreciate your, uh, your perspective and, you know, how kind of calm and optimistic you're taking this and, uh, yeah, just putting this whole thing in, into perspective and bringing it right back down to the, the foundations that we should be doing every day that just creates a much healthier, happier life, regardless, pandemic or not. Exactly. <laughs> Because yeah. it just creates resilience, right? You don't know what's around the corner. You don't know. We are living in a world in North America where one in two people are going to be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. So what I'm doing, I'm not doing, I'm not eating to fill my stomach now. I'm not taking vitamin C just so I don't get a cold tomorrow. I'm not eating medicinal mushrooms for the effect that it's going to give me two weeks from now. I am looking long-term. I want to not just get older. I want to grow. I want to age healthily and strongly and be able to enjoy my whole life. Like I talk to a lot of people through doing what I do, whether it be at a store or working with North Organics or educating people in classes. And it is astonishing how many people, I, I was talking to a woman who's in her early seventies and she said out of her friends, she was the oldest, but she's the only one that was able to go for a walk. Wow. They're 60 year olds. They couldn't, they weren't able to go for a walk. I saw the stat in the US, I think, oh, I can't remember. It's an enormous amount of people here as well. I think it's over the age of 70 or 65 can't remember the, the percentage of the population, but it's a huge chunk, like 40% or something like that. Uh, people are on 10 pharma pharmaceuticals or more. In the U.S., it's over 70, about 50% of them are on 12 pharmaceuticals, drugs or more. Yeah. Like that is crazy because of course, once you start down that path, you know, yeah. you're going to be more dependent, more dependent, more dependent. So the more we can just 
take the responsibility yeah. for ourselves and our own health, whether it be your, your mental health, your physical health, your, all of it, then the better off we're going to be. Yeah, so, no, absolutely. Cool. Well, I would like to kind of end off on, you know, what, what your hope for society and the world might be, you know, and many of us are seeing this as an opportunity. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, what, what, what do you think is the biggest silver lining then? Well, I, I hope heed this as a, a wake up call to see that we are like, there have been signs for a long time that what we're doing is not sustainable, whether it be the healthcare system or the depletion of resources or the pollution that we're creating is simply not sustainable. We, we can't go on this way. And we've seen in a very short order, although unfortunately through, you know, fear and panic and requirement by, you know, slowing down in certain areas, we're cleaning up the air, we're cleaning up the water, we're seeing quick changes in the environment. So if we can just notice that, wow, we can have impact very, very quickly if we change our ways. So I just hope that we will heed that and start respecting nature and Mother Earth and, and also just taking back our own independence, take back our responsibility, take back our sovereignty around these. Like my husband and I in a group, we're working on a program where we're going to work with let me decide the name, the Sovereign Collective or something like that, where, where it's, it's interesting because we want to form a group of people that are independent. They're, they're independent in themselves, but interdependent. So they're strong in standing who they are, but we can't all do it by ourselves. So we still need to band together, but we can't depend on one another. We're interdependent and, you know, I've got a skill here. I can help you out with that. You are growing this. You can provide me with that. You want to work together, but just take back that independence and that responsibility. And one last thing is I really feel that we need to learn how to ask questions again. Right. Yeah. We yeah. need to bring back logic and reason and question and question and question. Yeah. We, we are when just because we're provided with some data or provided with some, we, we have to dig a little deeper, not take things for face value because that's what I'm seeing. A lot of people were just not asking enough questions. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, thanks for doing what you do, providing all the education, asking those questions and sharing the answers that, that you get. It's, uh, yeah, very much needed and uh, so important. So how else can people uh, find you, connect with you? Well, I am on, I do have a website that is not, I don't really pay attention, but you can, you can connect, contact me through there. It's called inonegeneration.com. I created that a long time ago when I created a course called Your Conscious Pregnancy and Parenting Guide, where I really feel that if we change our ways and how we raise ourselves, how we feed ourselves, how we raise our children in one generation, we can see a totally different world. And I still believe that. I believe in one, it doesn't have to take a long time. We don't have to wait, you know, another hundred years to change anything, but we are changing things to the, to the negative very, very quickly. So in onegeneration.com and also if you just Sasha, S-A-S-C-H-A, Calivoda, K-A-L-I-V-O-D-A uh, on Facebook is my page as well. Um, those are the two main ones. And then we are coming up with, I know you are interviewing my husband as well too from the emotional perspective. And so he'll talk a little bit more about the other thing that we're, we're working on. Um, and that will be another up and coming thing. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Well, thanks for spending some time with us today. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Malcolm. Thank you for what you're doing. It's great. Right. Okay, right on.